0: Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome to Not Another Buffalo Podcast, the bi-weekly show hosted by three of the most underqualified sports personalities this side of the canal. Join John, Pat, and Brando every Tuesday and Friday afternoon as they casually talk Bills until Pat has to leave to make chicken tendies. This show is for the Bills fans whose loyalty never wavered during the drought, who can't get enough Bills content. And let's be honest, anything to keep our minds off the sabers, right? not another buffalo podcast with logical john i saw patrick mahomes do some pretty
2: reckless stuff and no one's calling him sugar high funny guy pat
3: how'd you like to be trevor lawrence though you're like all right man here i go first overall pick i'm going to florida i'm from the panhandle seeing my mom and dad every weekend and then it's like you just signed up for a job and in the interview they were like oh we like to have a lot of fun here you know and then you get job the first day of work and the entire cubicle's on fire and your boss is taking a dump on the carpet.
1: And that's guy Brando.
4: We have, we have this trust built uh, on you know whatever it is like bibles and gold bricks and whatever Brandon Bean's drinking over there.
2: What's up, guys? Welcome to Not Another Buffalo Podcast. We are now officially a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. Woo-woo. Special welcome to anyone new joining us. Uh, we have a feeling there might be a few of you out there who are new to the podcast. But my name is John. I'm here with my buddies, Pat and Brando. You can find us
4: on Twitter at NotBuffPodcast. What's up, gentlemen? How you guys doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. We are somewhere in the realm of... Surviving and thriving. It's a spectrum of life and uh, we're smack dab in the middle of it. I would say more towards thriving than surviving. But, you know, we take a day day to time.
2: Bills wise. Yes. I don't know if that was on a personal note, but
4: (laughs) applies to both. I I think it does
2: too. Patty, what about you, man? Oh, living the dream. Can I have
3: some some time off work? Going to sleep in, play some video games, you know, until I got to go back. Um, So, yeah,
2: living it up. Nice. Nice. Did you guys have a good bye week? Did you watch some uh, watch some games yesterday? Or Sunday, rather?
3: I watched some crazy ones. I mean, I watched um, Tom Brady play his first ever um, Ohio State quarterback at the NFL level. And um, he, unfortunately, not Tom, but Justin Fields did seem to uh, disappoint. Um, but no, there's some crazy games. I saw Pat Mahomes take himself out of a game that he knew he was going to lose with like five minutes left. Um, so some crazy games. Enjoyed it.
4: What well, ones did you catch, Brandon? Ravens-Bengals was pretty good. Yeah,
2: that was a good game too, man. I didn't get that game down here. They had uh, they had Titans-Chiefs in Nashville, so I didn't get to watch the uh, Bengals-Ravens game.
4: It was good. We were. I was talking with Nick while we were watching the game, and we're updating the fantasy matchup of the week with John here and uh, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow just going off and like explosive game. And then I caught some of the bucks game at the end. And then I watched a big chunk of Sunday night football before I passed out. So it is, it's interesting to not have to think about the bills on a Sunday and I don't know. I don't really like that. I miss, I missed them. Yeah. I got, I watched the chiefs get
2: dismantled in Tennessee because that was the local game here. And I was flipping back and forth between that and the F one race. And then, um, while I was making chili later, I caught some of the Detroit Rams game, which is pretty entertaining, yeah. which none of us expected. But yeah, unfortunately, Daryl Henderson kind of took a fantasy dump, which I didn't see coming. And uh, my opponent had Swift on the other side, who had a much better fantasy day.
4: Even um, outside of fantasy, though, you want to... It was good to see with Dan Campbell's the guy, the head coach of the yeah, Lions, right? Yep, I like yep. Dan Campbell. I think he's like <laughs> got shades of... Early Bills rebuild at, with the Lions here. Jared Goff could be like a tie rod type, but you know they're they're two different styles. Just in the stages of their rebuild, but they've been in almost every game, right? Except maybe one. I just you know I love Matt Stafford. <clears throat> We're gonna have Jersey Day for school on Wednesday. And I'm gonna wear my Lions Matt Stafford jersey. See what everybody says. But it's you know they're super they're they're uber talented. The Rams are so talented, so there's uh it's hard to keep them at check. And Jared Goff's just not talented enough when you need him to be. So. It was a good game, though. Yeah. So, obviously, Bill's had a bye week this past weekend, so we don't have
2: a game to talk about. But looking around the AFC, it was a pretty interesting weekend. And the AFC really feels like any given Sunday at this point because, I mean, the amount of, like, Team A, B, Team B is just like you cannot you can't apply any logic to it because, you know, the Titans have lost to the Jets. The Bills have lost to the Titans. The Chiefs have lost to almost everybody. And, and then you've got all these other things like the, you know even the chargers who have looked great head off days. So let's, let's try to sort these teams into tiers. I don't think it's easy, but (laughs) what does that sound in the background? Is that your uh, refrigerator or something?
3: Yeah, I think I I better go catch it. Um...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: No, you're good, dude. Uh, We've been having some technical difficulties. Pat's poor microphone won't connect to his computer and it's, it's, Not his microphone or his computer's fault, but... I'm
3: going to run and see if I can turn that bathroom fan off real quick, boys.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. I'll cut it out.
3: (laughs) Well, I unplugged my fridge, so hopefully... (laughs) um, (laughs)
4: <laughs> hopefully we're in business now dedication to the craft my friend yeah i live um
3: i live close to suny brockport and i was about to just barge into the drake memorial library and set up a uh, microphone and um try to be courteous because like the library monitors down there are ruthless so i was like i'm better off just unplugging
2: my fridge <laughs> and i'm um, going for work. so <laughs> that's funny. Uh, never a dull moment so anyway, I was thinking of creative ways that we could kind of think about these teams in tiers. So, I'll give you guys my AFC tiers and I'll let you guys push back on it, but I I decided to sort I don't think there's a good way to sort these teams that are like tier 1, tier 2, tier 3 or anything like that. I think you can, but I thought it'd be I thought it'd be more fun to sort them into like Star Wars movie categories. So, my top tier right now is the Bills alone, just by themselves because I I you know, We're all homers here, but I really think that they're the most complete team in the AFC. And yes, they've had their off weeks, just like every other team in the AFC. But I think that you look at some of these other teams and you can point to specific weaknesses. And I don't think you can really do that with the Bills at this point, or not to the degree of scrutiny that you can with some other teams. So top tier Bills, I'm comparing them to the OG Star Wars films, 4-5-6, the originals. Second tier, I've got Chargers. Tennessee Titans, Baltimore, and Cincinnati. And I'm calling this, this might be controversial for the Star Wars people, but I'm calling this the Rogue One tier because I think that Rogue One is in the second tier of Star Wars. It is second only to the OG movies. And then third tier, I've got Las Vegas, Cleveland, and Kansas City. This is the prequel tier.
3: Oh, no, that's some disrespect. That's some disrespect right there. on Academy Award winners, (laughs) Natalie Portman and Liam Neeson, man. I mean, come on. Come on. Qui-Gon Jin.
2: <laughs> hey, I'm putting the prequel tier above the sequel tier. All right. So Can I just say, yeah, just say I mean,
4: really quickly, I would die for Natalie Portman, man. Like sh-
3: saying, dude. And she's a Harvard grad, dude. Like, geez. There <laughs> we go.
2: I think we all agree with that. <laughs> okay. Sequel tier. Next up. This is the fourth tier. Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, and New England. I think if you I think if you paired those teams up with sequel movies. I don't know. Indianapolis is like, um, force awakens. Like it was great. We all enjoyed it. It wasn't too bad. It was, it was like at the start, it was exciting at least, you know, Pittsburgh's like, I don't know, last Jedi where it's like some people loved it and some people hated it, but there's not really a consensus except that it wasn't as great as the other star Wars movies. And then you've got new England, which is basically the return of the emperor. So I think that's, that's pretty fitting for, for the last star Wars, but and then, so final tier after that, I've got Jacksonville, uh, New York, Miami, Houston, and Denver. And I think that is the Star Wars holiday special <laughs> tier of, <laughs> if, if we're comparing stuff here. So do you guys have any pushback on those tiers? Is there anyone you would put Brando in that uh, top
3: bills tier as well? Because at the risk of sounding like relentless homers, I'm just wondering if you would put anyone else in that, that top dog spot with us.
4: I feel obligated to put Tennessee up there because they beat the chiefs and the bills, not that their defense is elite, but they have the game script type of roster where they could run the ball and keep any of these offenses off the field. They have a game manager who could be, you know, elevated in his gameplay at times with a healthy Julio Jones and a healthy AJ Brown. They might not need an elite defense. So I think they have the formula, depending on who they would match up against to make some noise. And you see these teams get fluky wins like that Jaguars team that made it to the AFC Championship game a few years ago. You see these, you know, Tennessee's kind of consistently now, but Derek Henry's, when you ride an MVP, right? When you have an MVP in any... You know, it's the thing about the NBA, right? You get an MVP, you you are automatically a contender. So I feel like... He makes everyone else better. too. Yeah, Derrick Henry, he's throwing touchdown passes. He's running them in. He's just carrying defenders all over the place. It's it's pretty cool to watch uh, every Sunday when it's not against the Bills. So I feel like Homer bias aside, they, they got to be up there. Like they got to be neck and neck with the Bills. But other than that, maybe I would flip Baltimore and Kansas City still even though they're, you know, Kansas City knocking them down from the first peg is still a big move for me to do that Patrick Mahomes neck might be like sore forever after that hit though but maybe bumping uh Pittsburgh now Pittsburgh and New England are a good grouping Mac Jones still is throwing like six yards per completion so he's is the conservative guy down there but I, everything else looks all right I, I like Cincinnati being in in the Tier also hey,
3: division division leaders, man. You know, yeah. like, and, and that's a tough division to play
2: in. It's really a. It depends on if you look at it with a recency bias, or if you're looking at at the whole season. Because I'd say if you put the recency bias into this, you can put the Titans top tier with the Bills as well. You know, Cincinnati's in that that tier, and and maybe even you put Las Vegas somewhere like above that third tier, but still below the the Chargers and and, and Baltimore and stuff like that. I still don't think that the Raiders are a very complete team, but they're five and two like like a lot of these other teams are and and, and they've won some games. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But I think Cincinnati is a great story
4: since he reminds me a lot of the the year the Bills lost to the Texans 2019 Josh. But Burrow might be a little bit better than 2019 Josh. Yeah. Statistically. Yes. Yeah, definitely statistically. But um I I don't know you don't think that Tennessee is built like these slug it out teams that can get a fluky win from time to time? Oh, for sure. And for whatever reason, they seem to hang around in games really well. I watched
2: that full Seattle game that they played earlier this this year and they were they were down by a lot in that fourth quarter and it, it didn't look like they could stop the Seahawks and all of a sudden Derrick Henry breaks off a couple of runs and they're back in it and they somehow pull that game out. Like they're just a team that doesn't seem to go away and, and that'll buy you enough wins. And yeah, they're give them credit. They're they're doing what they do well and no one can seem to stop them from doing it. I mean, I know Derrick Henry didn't have a huge day against Kansas city, but Tennessee offense still had like 300 yards in the first half.
3: Strong offensive line play too, man. I mean, I don't think, you know, Ryan Tannehill. Yes. He got sacked um, six times in their first game. Yeah. But like after Chandler Jones had his way with them week one, like, I mean, they played really, really well. And that's, that's the thing that scares me about the Titans and the AFC. And that's the thing that scares me about the Cowboys. And the NFC is that, I mean, they have Cowboys have elite quarterback play and the the Titans, I mean, I I think Tannehill is pretty good. But just the fact that like on any given Sunday, if Dak's not feeling it, Zeke can bail him out or if, you know, Tannehill's not feeling it, he can have Derrick Henry run for three touchdowns on a Monday night football. So I'd I'd put him up there.
4: The only thing that makes everything null and void is that they lost to the Jets. (laughs) Yeah, but again,
2: like we're, we're, I, I feel like we got to give these teams at least one pass on a game. Cause we're still not judging the bills on how they played the Steelers, you know, and well,
3: the Titans did get one uh, though. I, like in that Arizona game, they did lose. Like I want to say by 20 yeah, points. Yeah. So I'll give
4: them a pass. Also, yeah. I think Cleveland's kind of got the same mold as Tennessee, right? They got miles Garrett and a strong defense with two elite running backs, but Baker and Keenum, there's such a negligent difference there. I think. Between those two quarterbacks, both of them are good enough to win, but not in the playoffs.
2: I think if you put if you put Cleveland's defense together with the Titans offense, you've got an elite team there. Definitely. Um, That'd be.
4: Absolutely truth. Yeah.
2: But anyway, that being said, thinking about these teams, which team is the scary matchup for the Bills? Which one would you not want to meet in the playoffs out of all these teams? Because, I mean, I don't know if we're necessarily scared of any of these teams, but like which one would you not want to, to meet in like the wildcard rounder?
3: Hmm. I mean, that's a good question because I think that, like Brando said, I mean, if the Browns can get up and they can get rolling, I mean, it's really hard to say I'm scared of the Browns when you got Dearness running for 150 yards on Thursday night football. And he's had like 10 snaps all year before that. But I think a healthy Browns team with Baker having a healthy shoulder would be very scary. And I, I wouldn't want to play the I wouldn't want to play the Ravens again, especially not in Baltimore. I mean, maybe at home, but
2: those would be my two teams,
3: you know? And the Titans, obviously.
2: What's weird about the Ravens this year is they've had a lot of close games, like fluky games. I mean, they only beat the Lions by, you know, converting a delay of game (laughs) penalty that that wasn't called and then kicking a field goal from halfway out of the stadium.
3: And they won that Kansas City game, too, where Clyde Edwards-Elair had the bad fumble.
2: Right, right. So, I mean, they could easily have have their win-loss record swung two games in the other direction. So, I mean, not that they're a bad team. I think they still are a really talented team, and Lamar is scary when he gets going, for sure, and they've got a good defense. So, it's just, it's actually pretty exciting how all these teams shake up. Like, it's not just like, it seemed at the beginning of the year, it was Kansas City, Buffalo, and then everyone else in these secondary pool tiers. And it, it's just, it's really moved around a lot, and it, it's, it's been super interesting. Cincinnati's been a surprise And Kansas City's obviously been a surprise as well. But, Brandon, uh, what's your answer for which team you would not want to face in the playoffs? Well, like
4: you said, the NFL's been so fluky this year. And you know who's sitting here, like, licking his chops, thinking the money's all tasty is Roger Goodell, because his parody is just outstanding in the league right now. And people are tuning in to watch all these games. And um, it's just a good product that the NFL has right now, which is great for everybody especially when the bills are good but for me I like I said I touched on it earlier superstars are the differences in playoffs and if you look at Derrick Henry Lamar Jackson those are two superstars that could steal a game or two even if they're not going to win a Super Bowl the Ravens have just been outstanding for me because of their injuries and they're still into this because of Lamar he's carrying them and he's showing you what a superstar can do you look at the chargers Justin Herbert he's he's almost there right he's he's as close to a superstar without being a superstar i think uh that you can get whereas he's not he's surpassed baker in that aspect uh but i and like pat said a, a healthy cleveland team has the same formula that tennessee would have is a, a hard running game a game manager quarterback that can make some elite plays i wouldn't really want to match up against any of them but i don't i don't want to see some team slug it out against us in a home playoff game that could be affected by weather later on where it gives them an advantage. And a team that's below the bills that has that style of, of game could come to Buffalo in a playoff game and have a little bit of an advantage due to the weather because of our stadium. And that could play a difference, and I don't want to see that happen. So I would go with the same you know, Tennessee, Baltimore, or Cleveland.
2: Yeah, those teams that are set up to run the ball really, really, really well. Yeah, I, I'd agree with it's that. It's just
4: scary because you don't want to be able to host a playoff game in front of 70,000 people and have your skill be diminished and your opponent's team increase due to your home field, right? You don't want to have that. So is this what John was saying about the dome? This is
3: this is the dome conversation. Well, this is
4: the dome that Josh <laughs> Allen needs, right? To, <laughs> the dome that that Josh builds, the, the stadium that Babe built, the the stadium that Peyton Manning built. You know, these these legends... You know Tom Brady's legends in the snow, but you know f that guy. But anyways, you know (laughs) (laughs) we wanna we wanna have an advantage home field. So whether whether your stadium or not, I'm just saying for this specific example of who I don't want to meet, I could see that being a factor. Yeah, I
2: would love something like Indianapolis's stadium. Like they've got a retractable roof. It's it's not like crazy cool looking like a bunch of other places but it was a lot more affordable than any other stadium with a retractable they can play games they can have concerts making the decisions but you know
4: Peyton Manning's on the phone hey Jim Mercer it's it's getting pretty damn cold out here man I need a dome and uh I don't want to play in the wind because I'm Peyton Manning and I'm the greatest quarterback the franchise has ever seen he's like yes sir here's 800 million dollars Indianapolis yeah man I mean if they can build Lucas
3: Oil Stadium I would think that there's lucas oil stadium that we could have pagula pipeline stadium and that could have you know some sort of indoor capacity hopefully it doesn't come down to a point where we're like holy crap there's seven inches of snow on the ground and it's going to be us running the ball 40 times a game against another squad doing the same thing
2: so fingers crossed boys yeah all right you guys want to work in a sabers update know it brandon you got this one sure let's hear it
1: it's time for the weekly sabers update
4: Don't look now ladies and gentlemen we have a team they have a pulse the last time i went to a game the pizza was cold the nachos were stale the soda was flat i don't have a cup holder and the sabers lost this time the food was really good i was treated very very well by the service uh workers that were there they they messed up my order they gave me candy and the sabers lost this has been your weekly sabers update I don't know about you, but uh, have you been
2: able to watch any of these games, John? So this is why I don't think I can watch the Sabres anymore. So I missed the first three games. They went 3-0. and I watched the entire fourth game and they lost. And in the fifth game, when it went to overtime, I pulled it up on my phone. And I kid you not, the exact frame, like the first frame that loaded was the puck in the net. Of course it was. In overtime, them losing. Like it was the exact moment. John, I'm
4: going to change my password now. You All right, no more Sabres TV I can't for watch
2: Sabres games. <laughs> oh, I'm in a bad luck Well, charm. it's funny
4: that you say that, though, because you're texting me about getting the game on TV, and me and Sam are at the arena Friday night to go to the game. We haven't been to a game yet. It was our first one as a couple, and the first one I've been to since the game before the shutdown in March of 2019, uh, you know, as I was a frequent attender of these games, uh we get to the stadium and they're down to nothing and i was like ah buffalo hockey i missed you so much all in all i did have a good time watching the game the the team is fast they're they play an entertaining style hockey even if they lose they just don't have the talent to compete against the elite teams but uh it's fun to see watch these kids grow and it, and it was worth it for the first time in a long time to go to a sabers game
2: all right well we're gonna take a quick break and uh when we come back we're gonna get in some miami preview Let's get into some Miami game preview stuff here. So obviously very favorable matchup for the Bills. Looks like Tua will be playing in this game. I I, I don't know about you guys. I'm not super worried about that. What do you guys feel like this game is going to look like? Is it going to look like, you know, what it usually does, which is Sean McDermott being 8-1 and one against the Dolphins, you know, Josh being like basically a Charles Clay drop away from perfect against the Dolphins. Is there any anything that gives you any indication that this won't look like the complete beatdown it was earlier this year.
4: Nope. Not
3: one. I mean, has had <laughs> some, he's had some better games. um, Statistically speaking, he has, you know, he's thrown for over 300 yards in his past two games, but as the immortal Dennis green, RIP once said, they are who we thought they were. So, I mean, that's, that's how I feel, you know, I'm Brandon and I are going to be at the game. So if things go poorly, we might, you if you see two adult males sulking, you know it's probably us and the rest
4: of the stadium but yep. um awesome <laughs> 68,000 other people i don't I, see it happening though <laughs> i agree that they might have played a little bit better to a you know he still has these wild yards per attempt and yards per completion stats that are just so low uh, him and mac jones are just like they're just not airing it out like we do here in buffalo and like we said we've won 6 games against the dolphins with a win in Josh Allen's 50th start. Let's remind our listeners in week 8 it would extend it to 7, which would be the longest win streak against Miami in franchise history. So that would be exciting. And I don't I think Josh is going to is going to keep it going. If he he needs four touchdowns total to have the third most in his first 50 starts. Mahomes is first with 135, Marino's 118, Watson's 112 and Allen has 109. So that's good company. First 50 games, but
2: is that total TDs or total passing TDs? Total, total
4: okay, TDs. okay, cool. Yep, total TDs, yeah. but uh, we still have the number one ranked scoring defense at just a tad over 16 points per game with the highest with the number two ranked offense 33. And do you think Miami is going to score 33 points on our defense? I don't hope not. I mean, just looking up the weather report for Sunday, partly cloudy rain, potentially not warm, a typical fall day that's just not good, but I would not say that it's going to totally impact the game
2: yeah i don't think it's going to affect josh i i would expect at least one typical to uh like overthrowing mike Kazicki just a little bit slips off his hands and into jordan poyers or micah Hydes. like that's that i'd seems expect like an at every, least one of those it seems
3: like an every week thing at this point which is good <laughs>
4: <laughs> well speaking of recent history buffalo is the 16th nfl team here in the last 50 years to have a point differential through the first six games of the season. Now, guess what? 12 of those 15 teams made the Super Bowl in the past 50 years that have done it. And the Bills are one of these teams. I like the chances. They're they're just elite on paper, and the Dolphins do not have the talent to stack up with them. Do you think they're going to stop playing man defense? Because uh, they're 0-7. They're 1-7 and 7 to doing that against us. Are they going to play zone defense this week? Well, and if I have to hear about how much of a ball hawk
3: Xavier Howard you know, is, and how much of a, a standup defensive player, great guy Byron Jones is, I think I might vomit. So hopefully for our sake, they get torched once again.
4: Brian Flores is in a tough spot too, because this quarterbacking thing that you have going on, what do you say to, to your pros in your locker room when you're, when you're doing this and you bring in this talent? And at what point do you say, all right, we are not Doing it right here. We started with a lot of picks. We started with a lot of hope and we haven't hit on those picks and they're losing hope. So, I mean, even if you had another player come in, if Deshaun Watson shows up tomorrow and plays on Sunday, he's still not helping. He's still not going to carry this team. They're just in it this year, and they're going to have to take their lumps like we did for all these years. So I don't know. I think,
2: I mean, theoretically, if I have no idea what Deshaun Watson would look like after not playing in a competitive game for a while, I think that really all that Miami needs is like serviceable quarterback play to even have a decent team. Because, I mean, they've been really bad all around. It felt like this team was really up and down last year in different games. So, like, especially switching between quarterbacks, it felt like there were some times when Ryan Fitzpatrick came back in and they looked like an inspired team. And they certainly were, like, even a little bit dangerous at the beginning of last year. And remember, they were in the wild card race all the way up until week 17 against the Bills when they got walloped. Well, let's so, be clear, I real mean, quick, though. Again, real quick.
4: Ryan Fitzpatrick almost beat them, too. Real quick here. You say that they look inspired. Who would not look inspired when Ryan Fitzpatrick looks you in the eye and says, let's go get him, gentlemen. Who's not inspired by his grizzly face, his veteran leadership, his Jimmy Neutron brain? How do you not get inspired by that, man? I just, you know, we love him here, obviously. We love him wherever he goes. He does that any team that he's with. And the Dolphins need that this year. So it's dumb that they let him go. They should have kept him. They should have kept them on, pay them for to be a coach. I don't care. Let him be a starter. Tua has not earned this, and Fitz, the Fitz experiment is good wherever it goes. You know, you know what you're going to get. Boom or bust. put people in the seats, compete in this division. But it's just a wasted year right now. I think you're learning that Tua is not the answer.
3: No offense to the Washington football team, but I think that you know, or Taylor Heineke, but I think that they'd be a lot better if Fitz was, um, you know, the guy who started their first six games. So.
2: He's on IR right now. I don't I don't even know if they have a timetable for his return, but I, I'm going to be honest. I it, I could not imagine being a Dolphins fan right now because you're looking at this division and not that a wild card spot is up for grabs in in the conference because, you know, there's no guarantee even if he finished second in this division that you get a wild card even though there are three wild card spots available. Yeah, I mean... It feels like a wasted year for Miami, but I'm not even sure if they were one tier above where they are, if they'd still be competing with the likes of Las Vegas, Cleveland, Kansas City for that final tier. So ask yourself this, which
4: is kind of an interesting question, I would say. The teams and the rosters as a whole, and you don't you coaching staffs don't really play here. Which roster would you rather have? Would you rather have New England, Miami or the Jets between the three of them? If you had to pick a franchise, you are uh, to be a GM of a team. You have those three options. Which team do you pick? I think
2: Miami's got the most talent out of those three rosters. I mean, I know they're not clicking a quarterback right now, and that's kind of the most important part of a football team. Zach Wilson,
4: Mac Jones or Tua. That's what you're
2: kind of choosing
4: right now.
3: I'd still take Mac over either of those guys though. Well, I, would.
2: I, I would I would take Mac Jones over Tua uh, straight up, but I think that the Dolphins roster is still better than the
4: Patriots. Yeah, we're just uh we're in an interesting era of this division.
2: The Dolphins are just filled with guys that aren't playing up to their potential this year. I mean, Xavien Howard is all pro cornerback. On the offensive side, you've got Will Fuller. He was supposed to be their deep threat, and uh Jalen Waddell was supposed to be an amazing receiver and he hasn't like it certainly hasn't been Jamar chase like for them. So I don't know. It's just like, everything's gone that, that could possibly go wrong has gone wrong for Miami, but I still don't think that that makes them dangerous. Like you can say that about Detroit, like Detroit has had everything gone wrong and they seem dangerous. I just don't think that Miami's, I don't think they have what it takes to hang with an elite team and they couldn't even, you know, beat the Jaguars. So not to, uh, not to just beat up on Miami for five minutes there, but you know, we could be eating our words if it's a close game. You know, it's any given Sunday. It but won't be. I, I just, I, I think that you know, office, offense, defense, special teams, every, everything points to the Bills. So.
3: Well, and I think a lot of it too depends on how well Devontae Parker plays because he almost had a big touchdown catch against us that he dropped, and you know he's their go-to guy. So I think they'll be as good as some um, Devontae Parker is.
2: Yeah, and certainly as good as Tua is.
3: Yes. yes. So, if he doesn't have ghost flashbacks to
2: Mr. AJ Epinesa. But, um. <laughs> all right. You guys ready to do a little drought salute? Yes, sir. All right. For those of you joining the podcast for the first time, we do a little, uh, salute to the standout of the drought where we highlight a player from the drought that we all we remember and loved watching. And so Pat's going to give us some stats and we're going to try to guess who it is by the end. And you following along at home can also guess as
1: well. Please remove your hats, lift your drink and shut your trap as we salute this week's standout of the drought.
3: Well, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to salute today's standout of the drought, 2018 inductee into the NFL football hall of fame. This guy, he had the work ethic. In addition to the physical tools, um, big dude from a small town in Alabama, this guy was so underlooked that he didn't even start on his varsity football team until he was in 11th grade. Guy played football in the state of Tennessee, ended up getting drafted, and I mean, one of the craziest things about this dude—he's he's played for some legends, you know. His first year in the league. All right, the big break that helped this guy really become a star in the NFL happened when Mr. Jerry Rice suffered a torn ACL. So if if that name's any indication, he's played for a long time. Some people even um, refer to a play he made um, in the 1998 playoffs as the catch. I, I think that this guy, although he only spent a limited amount of time in Buffalo, has had some legendary, legendary plays One of my favorite memories from this guy is when he's suited up to play against the Patriots with a broken ankle. This dude also is on the cover of NFL 2K5. Crazy stat about this guy, Um, you know, after tearing it up with the uh, likes of individuals in the state of California and Texas, when he came to Buffalo under Mr. Ryan Fitzpatrick, had his longest career reception to date, 98, That's right, 98 yards in a game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And after he left Buffalo, I mean, this guy, in his late 30s, still had a 1,000-yard season with Mr. Chad Senko. And someone should have told him to give it up because he was literally playing football until 2018. I have a lot of respect for this guy, University of Tennessee Chattanooga, alumni. Done a lot of TV commercials, big, big fanatic of movie theater popcorn. Even though he only he only spent one year in Buffalo, I'm a, I'm a big fan. You know, I just wonder if you guys you appreciate these 829 receiving yards, five TDs, and one TD on the ground. If if you boys have any idea who it might be, I'd love to give that um, that person a salute. If you can, like who they might be.
4: To baby, To can we <laughs> add to the list the To's Cheerios from Tops? Can we add to the list the Owner of a key to the city. Could we add to the list? <laughs> a, uh, Isn't
3: that crazy? You played one year. We were just like, here, Tio, I have a key to the city. Um,
4: <laughs> reality TV show host. Don't forget that. Also, he had a TV show for a hot minute. But that, I was watching that game. They played the Bengals, right? 98-yard touchdown pass. Brian Fitzpatrick it's against the uh, former team. Oh, it was against the Jags. It was against the Jags, yeah. Uh, Fitz had a uh it was a little fade route over his shoulder and you just took it to the yeah, house yeah yeah it
3: was, it was it was a thing of beauty and i always i remember my fondest memory of to is later in that season we played the colts in a snow game and um, peyton manning had had enough after like three quarters of the way through the first half and i remember to having a big catch as the game concluded
4: but. I believe that game that you're referencing Peyton Manning set the all-time record for passing yards but he did it in like like you said very limited game time and they took him out.
3: Absolutely. So big ups to you Mr. Tio. Obviously, you know you've had some other stuff where you tried to fight Donovan McNabb and you had a you know some other personal issues um but we we love you here bud and um for your own health and, and safety, you probably should stop trying to make these comebacks, man, because, like, you literally got inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame, and then we're trying to play in the Canadian Football League later that year, so, like, it's okay, T.O., we respect your toughness. Um, so, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Terrell Owens. <laughs> oh, crazy. Another crazy thing I was looking up is that Tio actually had a Rudy Giuliani incident where, um, you know how Rudy ended up um he was gonna marry this woman and then um he was talking to his family and they found out that they were related. Um <laughs> well actually TO had a very similar situation where he um his first neighborhood love um you know his mom had to be like yo listen actually that's your sister so um I mean if you can overcome yo, where do you that- get
4: this information from man? Where do you get this? How do you know this? it's on his Wikipedia page, bro <laughs> <laughs>
3: And the Rudy things like common knowledge, but, um,
4: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: oh, hilarious. Oh my gosh.
2: All right, let's get into this next segment. So we're going to do a little, uh, something new here. It's called overreaction underreaction. So Brandon, you're going to, you're going to give me some takes and Pat and I are going to tell you if it's an overreaction or an underreaction, cause bye weeks are perfect times for overreactions. I, I think anyone who has a Twitter account has seen that
4: so far. So hit us, hit us with some reactions. First things first overreaction for being worried or underreaction. Matt Milano is still on the injury report as limited.
2: Uh, I think that's an overreaction. I think that if he's, you know, I don't think he's sustained anything crazy in the the Tennessee
4: game, right? Well, did you notice him? him Did you notice him at all? No. I mean... I I didn't see anything. I didn't see him do anything crazy either, either, so I don't think he's 100%.
3: Those hammies are hard because, like, the minute you get going full speed it can give out on you so i could see that you know but also we beat the Chiefs with aj klein covering you know what i mean the likes of travis kelsey so i'm not not too
4: i agree that's why i feel like i'm on the borderline of overreacting because i just love him so much as a player and he seems so invisible in a game that we could have used a flash play from him and this game coming up could be a get right game for him if he plays or You know, you don't want to see these guys get hurt against an inferior opponent like the Dolphins. So I'm uh, curious to see his snap count in the game. I'm curious to see if he looks hobbled out there or if AJ Klein is going to get out there and uh, get the majority of the snaps. Well, give the Titans credit. I mean, you might this might be going too far, but
2: you could even think that it's possible that they scheme to stay away from Matt Milano. I mean, Matt Milano has been widely considered one of the best linebackers in the league this, this year. So maybe they just decided to steer clear, you know, scheme wise of, of his coverages and stuff like that.
3: Yeah. And I mean, if anyone could do it, it'd be Mike Vrabel who played like his exact same position, arguably better. So
2: yeah, I don't want to get, I don't want to give Vrabel too much credit, but yeah, it's, it's possible.
3: Do you guys ever like when you watch the Tennessee games, I always like part of my mind, I see Vrabel like run out there and I'm just like, he's thinking he's going to slap the pads back on. He just wants to know if he's going to, you know, line up at tight end or linebacker, but
4: <laughs> uh, he looks like that players coach for sure. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent.
2: There was a lot of controversy here. They were not happy in Tennessee. I remember listening to ESPN radio here and, and, a couple of, they there's actually two major sports stations here and they were like, what kind of hire is this? You know, I guess they, you know, John Robinson, I th- think was the guy who hired him. I, John Robinson is still the Titans GM. But yeah, they, he was not like, it was not an unpopular hire, I guess, but they were definitely like, you know, why, why this? And everyone thought that like, okay, they're just trying to hop on the Belichick coaching tree train. Cause that was, that was a thing for a while. I mean, Miami hired Brian Flores. So All
4: right, I'm going to stick, I'm going to stick with Tennessee here, John, go with it. So overreacting or underreacting, the Titans are the number one threat to Tom Brady after beating the two representatives in the AFC championship game. We talked about this a little bit earlier, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but that's that's an interesting matchup. Um
2: see, I I, I gotta say though, that if anyone's equipped to really shut down Derrick Henry, it's the the Buccaneers run defense, best run defense in the league. So I mean, if, if at least you can make the Titans semi one dimensional, you know, I know the Bucks have been down at corner as well as the Titans. Um yeah, I don't know. I still think the Bills are the the worst threat to the Bucs at this point uh matchup wise. I mean, that might be a little bit homerish. No,
4: I agree I with what you. You, what I, you, I agree. What you. What do you think,
2: Pat? I think that the
3: best test will be when we go down to Tampa and um we get a taste of it ourselves.
2: Well
4: we all we all know that, but we're 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 speculating. That's, yeah, that's no, what after I, we week that. six of the NFL season. I think, I think Tennessee the Buccaneers number one equipped I, team. I
3: think the Buccaneers wouldn't have too much trouble with them just because they did even against us have some poor cornerback play and like you said i mean they front four i mean Devin white Lamonte david like I'm, if you're talking those six seven guys in the box you know shack barrett like they're all vita vea I, I i don't know if anyone's going to catch up with the bucks at this point so
4: okay this could i have a buffalo one here and then one final one after this so maybe i'm overreacting by looking into this but i'm going to read you through six games of 2020 and through six games of 2021 and you tell me if there's any sort of concerning numbers here. So through six games this receiver had 550 yards on 42 receptions for three touchdowns in 2020 and this receiver has 463 yards this year about 100 yards less on 37 receptions for two touchdowns.
2: And it's Stefan Diggs, right? It is Steph Diggs. So if if he goes another three weeks with lackluster production, I would maybe start to worry. But again, I think that that's that's not a product of Steph Diggs. That's a product of defenses using extra guys to bracket coverage him and and stuff like that because they targeted him so much last year. They were just, you know, anytime he was in single coverage, Josh Josh was going at him. So I think that teams are realizing that you have to take away Stefan Diggs and even if you're giving up somebody else and I don't know. I think, I think I don't think I don't think he's
4: lost this. And he's still on pace to
3: have 1,100 yards receiving. It's not like you know what I mean.
4: What's well, it's also crazy. I think it's much more of an indictment on Emmanuel Sanders on this offense because he's got 418 yards through six games. So I mean, and and then you have Beasley coming in at like 350. So you have three receivers that are going to flirt with thousand yards this year on one team. But I was just interested because it's 100 yards less um, and Gabe Davis is invisible, so the target shares are interesting and Dawson Knox is developing. Well, so. that,
3: that would be my hit, hot take question, man. Does the Bills offense see significant drop off with Dawson Knox having a broken hand?
2: I don't know. I mean, I think that they're... I would think that they might go back to a little bit more of what they did last year, maybe. like Just a little bit more wide receiver heavy. Maybe a little bit less 11 personnel or something like that, but... I mean, I don't think that they'll have very many two tight end sets. I mean, although if you're in a two tight end set, you you really only need like one blocking tight end and one pass catching tight end. So if you got Reggie Gilliam in there and, and Tommy Sweeney. Tommy Sweeney looked awesome on that touchdown, by That's the way. That's what in I Tennessee. was going
4: to say. Tommy Sweeney's shown that he can make a play. So with Especially
2: in the red zone because he's got the hands. He's got one of the surest hands on the team that that's what the guys who cover the team say all the time is he'll catch anything. But
4: I think you're right though, about the personnel without Knox on the field, you're keeping Gabe Davis on the field. Now, instead of taking him off for Knox in that 11 personnel package or, or 10 personnel with five wide receivers, it'll be the week to see Gabe Davis. I think, you know, he could, he could make a few plays with Knox sideline for it
2: he's He's definitely overdue for for one, you know, so yeah.
4: just schematically thinking in the snap count that we have, i think I think just taking Knox off the field will we'll see an uptick for him for sure.
2: It is interesting how it's going to affect the bill's uh offense because Dawson Knox's snap count has been off the charts this year, you know he hasn't been targeted more than the wide receivers during the games, but he is on the field for like 98% of snaps most of the time. He's a blocking machine.
3: Yeah. That's what I was going to say. His blocking is so good. He can stay out there all three downs.
4: All right. I got one more and it's kind of funny. So I, uh, I'm going to let you two react. So we heard on the broadcast of Sunday night football, Chris Collinsworth lost his catch streak in Buffalo due to a bad weather football game, overreacting or underreacting. That is why he is biased to the Buffalo bills on a Sunday night football broadcast
2: underreaction. I think that's absolutely correct. <laughs> or it's something else. I don't know. Maybe Chris Collinsworth just hates the cold and you know, hates good food or something. I believe like that. he I said something know, about another
4: broadcast about losing the catch streak in Buffalo due to the bad weather. I saw it on Twitter. I missed it. Yeah, I, I missed saw, it on the broadcast, but I saw it on Twitter that uh, somebody quoted him saying that. So I just thought that was funny that he finally says something negligent about Buffalo so we can call him out on it.
3: Maybe he doesn't even remember the catch streak and just his ears start ringing and he gets so angry that the Bills, when they're right in front of him, he just starts, just starts roasting.
4: So <laughs> Whatever he's got to do to cope, right?
3: Yeah, dude, coping mechanism. Just start lathering it on the Buffalo Bills. Well, and in Chris Collinsworth's defense, Boomer Esiason is like the second worst that's so commentator and these guys were throwing and catching passes from each other and like
4: what do you think they say to each other on do they still communicate are they buddies are they like dude collinsworth's up in the
3: booth and boomer's like yeah these guys suck take us back (laughs) to cincinnati 1988 dwight clark that son of a (laughs) we should have had a a super bowl ring these guys don't know what it's like you know icky woods
2: (laughs) I, I always wonder what Phil Sims is thinking up in the booth because they kind of took him out of his broadcast job to replace yeah. him with Tony Romo. And I don't know what it, I could be just seeing things, but it really looks like he doesn't get along with the rest of the guys and the guys don't get along with him. Like they get a little snippy sometimes and JB's like, okay, we're going to commercial.
4: Yeah, I don't like <laughs> Do that guys crew. That I, don't, I don't like that crew. I stopped watching that crew when I started listening to the Bills pregame. On every yeah, media platform. Nate Burlsen. Nate is like good. I like he's Michael got a Schrein good Daily too. Yeah.
3: Show too. Um, yeah. Good morning, good morning football is awesome. Well, he's not on yeah.
4: Good Morning Football anymore. He just he took a oh, job. Dude. That's uh, right. Yeah. So, well, we got to get Mina Kines um,
3: on the show. I want to talk to her about Pavement, also one of my favorite bands. But yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
4: hilarious.
2: All right. Well, I I think that'll just about wrap it up for this episode. Special thanks to everyone at Buffalo Rumblings for the warm welcome and getting us on board with everything. We're super excited to be part of the team. And just a reminder to you guys, you can find us on Twitter at NotBuffPodcast. I'm on Twitter as at Yukon222, Y-U-K-O-N 222. Brando is at Haber28. I'm sorry, Haber028, right? 028. And if you do find Pat on Twitter, let him know because I think he's been locked out of his account for a few years. (laughs) So. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He just hopped back on Twitter. He's at real underscore Pat underscore cap. It looks easy to say, but it's not easy to say. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And we'll see you back here Friday for our weekly game picks and some of Brando's bets.
4: Ayo. All right. We can get that out.